Tunis's wholly unscripted and barely edited and saved for the time and might contain spoilers. But if you've ever been curious as to what goes on with a writer when he sits down with some friends at a coffee table, a couch, or somewhere outside, use your chance to find out. This is Here Be Tires. So I guess the best way to start with this is probably to introduce yourselves and I will rationalize why I've come to you. Oh, yeah. You, or you could just tell them. Where's the fun in that? Or Fine, sure. If you don't know who I am, I've done a terrible job introducing myself, but I'm the guy who's been writing the book and my name's on the site. And I'm super tired because it's midnight and we just finished changing a tire, so forgive me if I... Uh... I finished changing the tire. Hey, I... <laughs> Put, I held the light, and I also put the little thing back on to the stop the air from flowing out. God, I'm bad with words right yeah. now. And because I, he could not do that. Yeah, and I sat on a couch in comfort because I was not there. You texted. I did text. We were a block away, too. Yes, and then, and then helpfully said, you know, the cops are almost over there. They hmm. could have, you know, caught the rock and kept it out of the road. Well, I mean, I didn't even know at the time it was caused by a rock. That's what the story is going to be about. It's going to be about a rock of disaster. That is, if we build a, a scene tonight. <laughs> you know, way, 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 way long ago, and this is maybe early on, I'll spoil the title, but yes, in a very early iteration, there were laser kings and giant robots. And I don't want to go into See, it I, more because... I even called that out when you told me, like, yeah, in the beginning there were... <laughs> In the beginning, there were laser kings <laughs> and giant robots. And naturally, naturally getting back to the rock meteor, which would have landed and shattered and caused things like iridium all over, but not quite. And mm -hmm. There would have been a grand mission, or that's the wrong word, but there would have been a gathering of all the pieces. I was 18. You know, these are things that seemed, and I will post them on the site. There are, I have illustrations, there are numbers, stats for the robots. I am not, I am not embarrassed to say, no I am. I'm completely and utterly ashamed. Oh, some of the best worlds I've ever written were for games of one, one form or another. This wasn't even games, it was just, I, and I, there was a time where, as a very early writer, I would take whatever framework I could and try to see what that could make, could help me tell, help me find any story. I did astrology, for instance, I used, okay, how do I figure out what robots do? Here's a system that helps you design giant robots, let's have at it sat down with a couple friends and said, here is the way things work. There was a space diner and rollerblades because I was a child of the 80s. I don't know if there were snap bracelets, but if I look at the old notes, probably. Hmm. I won't talk more about that. But yes, there was a giant rock. Eventually, well, I don't know if that ever went away. It's just I've never found a reason to have it be in the story. Or I've to date, never found a reason for it to remain. So it sits on the side as one of the many things that is just there. And eventually I had to cast this to the side and figure out what the hell takes place. So what's that creation myth? Where do things come from? The Rock of Doom. Wow. Slowly start the ring in the sky. <laughs> the thing is... It's Earth's ions down. I've never actually left... I've never actually let that go away entirely. I don't know if it's true or not. Instead, I've kind of skipped over maybe the origin, although there's a myth certainly that can touch upon something like that. Truths that are generally known, and these aren't large spoilers, they'll come out in the first chapter or two. 
there are some who are full of fire, and that's both in the literal and figurative sense. They burn too well and brightly, even when they bleed. There are some who dream too much, and those dreams are occasionally too real. Why? Well, there are a lot of reasons and explanations. There's a few religions that have come up to try to rationalize why or what to do because of that or from that. But the, I guess one of the central origin myths stems back to these two brothers, we'll call them, who pull the sun out from the deep well of night and find a place for it to reside. Was that actually a sun? I've never said. I don't quite know because the story is so long ago and derived from something so far back, who knows what's actually right and true out of that. So there's a lot that's happened in the world. Most of it isn't known anymore. The Western Hemisphere is... There's a long sea. It's called the Long Night Sea. It's big. It's full of stars. It's dark. No one's ever come past it. So, up in the air, whether the Western continents are even there or not, we don't know. No, there, there have been people and who have come by boat or other means, and boat's kind of a loose term. There are boats, and there are boats, and there are arcs, and there are things that fly in the sky, or were. But they all look like boats, so, you know, boat. And... Well, let me ask you guys, how do you want to do this? Do you want me to lay out a few places and have you choose, or...? I don't know. Is this, I mean, this is just a, are we defining some, like, are we helping you work out a place that you're having trouble in the world, or are we helping you, helping to distract you with a different idea, and so that you can set down the current ones for, for a minute and let them percolate? That, by the way, is Dave, who is usually no longer referred to as other Dave, because now he's the only Dave. Indeed. But he still had to be I ate. I ate the first one. And stole his beard. And stole his beard. <laughs> Hello, I am Dave Herman, a.k.a. Ramnesis of the Brothers Herman. And, uh, yeah, that's basically... You don't want to mention the Geekly Oddcast oh. or Underworlds or any of the things or you do? all your things in? <laughs> it's more a stream of consciousness one. It's been a long week. Although I don't think I have the, uh, I, I have the trump card on that one. So. Think of it like this. I have nothing to plug, so plug all your things. All right. Yes, let's I, not mention that Pablo exists. He'll just be the voice on the well, he's, couch. Well, he is on Outer Worlds. And, you know, it's, uh, I so, will be. Well, you already have been, too. Oh. On the first time. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I am uh, I am a recurring member on the podcast, the uh, Geekly Oddcast, and also the um, runner of the spinoff podcast, the uh, Otter Worlds. So, um, if you like random geek conversations, tune into the Geekly Oddcast, and if you like actual play role playing podcasts, Otter Worlds is where you go. I would describe it as a hybrid between actual play and radio show. Something like that. I mean, it's definitely an actual play. Certainly. Um, but we are also, we're taking the same concept and running it through different worlds and different, I mean, different systems and different um, game masters. So this, in, this entire season, it's alien invasions all the way down. And the occasional turtle who happens to... Be an alien. Well, naturally. I mean, alien turtles. If the turtle existed before the Earth, it's technically an alien. Unless the turtle is the Earth. See the turtle of enormous girth upon its back, it holds the Earth. Aww. I, 
you know, it's a shame. You could have made some kind of spin-off on the Ninja Turtles right there. Were I more awake, we could riff, but I'm not. To answer your question, I'm not sure which of those approaches would work because I there's certainly merit to both. One is the let the brain go along and do the thing that's usually done and eventually or hopefully it'll find it. Well, let me ask you guys this. Do you mind if I spoil things at all or no? I mean, Pablo, you're technically a fan, so... Oh, yes. Yes. You get that one dollar. <laughs> you're one! <laughs> you're I have one. not signed up yet. Well, I will... I, I, I am signed up I will up murder you and then two. take your two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and put under Pablo's name so he pays the three. <laughs> there you go. Then we will auction off Greg as we had described... I mean, I guess the bigger question is, do you want to spoil this in something that you're going to publish, or would you like to hold off on that? I, uh, or, or would you like to put in redacted, redacted, redacted? I mean, It'll start sounding like an SCP archive. <laughs> the, the to, to give you some context, the... the version, please upgrade to the... <laughs> I'm not that much of a monster. I won't do that to people. In fact, I was thinking for these kinds of things to just make them open to all patrons, because it's... Additional. It's not in any of the tiers, and you can opt into listening or not. The I always struggle with this because people want to know things, and then when I try to figure out what they do actually want to know and what they want me to not tell them. Sorry. Well, let, let me let my inner caveman speak and say I want to talk about Big Rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And he's actually paid, so he has more input than I do. Very well, then. You can get your, <laughs> you can get your $1 worth of Big Rock. <laughs> I'm willing to humor this. So You can get it down at the Seminole. <laughs> <laughs> those are Pop Rocks. Those are the... Between the 7-Eleven and uh, the mobile. <laughs> yes. We passed on the way here, certainly. Before the, before the elephant. Before the elephant in the police station and the remnants of my tire. <clears throat> Alas. Alas, poor tire. It's true, we do have to bury him. him. I knew him, Horatio. He was a tire. Oh, we had to retire him. <laughs> it's a tiresome subject. This isn't going oh. to get better. Right, so I guess, yeah, we could go something as far back as variations on the origin myth of things. So, as I've said, the Western Hemisphere, who knows? They're... It went, it went on a walkabout. Well, one story, of course, is that one of the two brothers who uh, eventually came back down to find the one that he'd lost, he descended on that side. And he was rather full of fire since he had been in the sky holding the sun up. He landed. There was a bit of difficulty understanding because as he spoke, nothing came out but flame or words like. Why does this sound like a... Like a, a uh... A bunch of, I mean, a pre-technological civilization's description of a, of an alien bombardment. That is entirely possible. I One possible interpretation, and I'll throw this out if you guys want to play with it. There is an arc. The Empire that has gone tried to make it work. Is it something they built or is it something they found? I don't know. But either way, they wanted to make it go up and away from Earth. And, you know, save their hides and no one else's. That's a reduction of a lot of things, but more or less the way you could tell it. Is that a ship from things that came down? Is that something they built? I don't, what sounds more interesting to you two as a story to play upon? 
involving a big rock? I think it depends a great deal on um, on the on the way we're going to approach this. Sure. Um, because you know, there's there's a couple of possibilities. If you go down with the technological route, then you, you start with a technological idea, and then you just you you transfer it into myth based on how people would have seen right, it. The post-apocalyptic route. Um, on the other hand, you can treat it like it was always a myth. Like certain things don't have to make sense, but they have to. When they don't make sense, they have there has to be a consistent way that they don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of uh, various mythologies do things like that, like um, Japanese mythology. Certainly. Uh, in a in, in, uh, Izan, Izanagi. Izanagi. Well, Izanagi. Izanagi and Izanami. Is it? Yeah, Izanagi. Clean, ritual purification. He cleans each of his eyes, and one becomes the sun, and one beca- the, the the cleanings of one become the sun, the cleanings of the other become the moon. Now, it's very hard to reconcile that with anything. But it's very fitting for the mythology in question, and and it's things like that. Well, um, it's, like, it's the tone of the world. There's right. There's a origin story for why ants are the way they are, and this is I forget which Native American tribe, but a long time ago, when everything was plush and bountiful, there came a time when there wasn't, and the ants, of course, were always the frugal type. They'd been saving up for this. They knew what would happen. Humans were not, and eventually, the ants, being the generous folk they were, invited people down and gave their stores, of their stores, to them. Always saying, oh, no, no, we don't need to partake, and tightening their belts a little more. Until, of course, there was nothing left, and the ants cinched a little too tight. And that's why ants are the way they are, and that's why humans are the way they are. Now, mind you, the storyteller who mentioned this was at the launch, or the inauguration of the Native American Museum in D.C., if you heard this. He afterwards said, now... I heard the story quite often, largely because I was always stepping on ants and my father wanted me to stop. I don't know if it actually is grounded in lore or not, but it certainly worked. <laughs> I always prefer the Muppet one, it is the retelling of the ant and the grasshopper. Oh, yes. You know, that everyone's heard grasshopper, you know, fiddles away the day, the ant works hard for the winter. Um, at the end, um, the, uh, the at the end, uh, when winter comes... Um, the grasshopper steals everything that the ant has and goes off to Vegas and the ant gets stepped on. <laughs> Glorious. <laughs> Glorious. So, let me ask you, caveman Pablo. You have yet to introduce yourself, by the way. Caveman Pablo. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm almost going to, I'm almost tempted to request that you change your ID to caveman Pablo. <laughs> So that people know you from now on as that. <laughs> you don't have to do it on air, but certainly you're welcome to change it on the, on the site. You know, which sounds more interesting, the prehistoric route or the post-apocalyptic? Um, I think I actually thought of a prehistoric one. Okay, let's hear it. Um, all right, like you said, Big Rock comes out of the sky. And humanity essentially is spent out of the effort to try to stop this rock, but they only delayed it. It holds in the sky, slowly circling down. And burns for quite a while, certainly. Yeah. And it, I guess, in stopping it, it went by, it went too close to that side of the world, so. Up in flames that goes. Up in flames, up in water, it's gone. 
And so now humanity spent has no way to actually stop the rock from coming down. They're just waiting so it's, for they so caught long it in it. So they caught it in it a giant down. net, which kept it up in the sky. But when it get, went to uh, close to the sun, it it the net burned away. There is a version of the story which is depicted on one of the underground cities, and an underground city would certainly be a thing to occur when there's a giant burning comet in the sky, or something like it. And it shows, of the two brothers I'd mentioned before, the one tearing off his nails and using them to stick the other one back in the sky with and pin him in place. So that could certainly be a way to depict that as well. And neither of those would have to be untrue. Interesting. I mean, and you could a net woven the, of hair. You, you could still have the arc. And... Well, it could be a net woven of things like nails and hair or other right. pieces of himself he could find. Because what else other than the two of them who could bind or hold the sun could hold them in place? Okay, you said... Big empire technologies that are no longer around. <laughs> also not entirely wrong. As I... Uh, there are many references to stars, whether some of them are artificial or not. Yeah. Or things put up there. It's like a satellite. Actually, no. The, the sky is a light bright, and uh, all the, that, that all the little bulbs have been taken out, and just the white shines through. I take it back. There was, again, not in the days of the Space Diner and the Laser, laser Kings and Giant Robots, but later. And I am. Eventually, I'm going to have to make a timeline with these things as the official ways the story evolved, aren't I? And this will be in the year of the Laser King. I, in the age of the Laser King, I have a. Uh, it was funny. I, 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 a long <laughs> time ago, I sat down things. to create a sort of a sci-fi version of a, a Final Fantasy game. This is when I was a teenager, right. and in, in the initial version, like a big chunk of it, uh, I had I, I stole kind of the plot for uh, from the the miniseries V, and they had, had the like this alien menace drain the Earth of water. Um, you know, you, you can see stuff like that. Were they British? And were they making tea? <laughs> I hadn't actually planned that far ahead. Eventually, I think it went it went through an iteration where it was some kind of cosmic level four, you know, incarnation of chaos level threat, which may or may not, if I take out my notes, still be what it is. Well, it was a Final Fantasy game. That's how they end always. You know, yeah. almost. Well, if I'm gonna be doing a, a Final Fantasy thing, it has to be an an existential threat to the world, at least. And since the, this was a a space opera style fantasy. Um, it would have to really be the universe. So, before the Laser King, or pardon, after the Laser King and the Space Diners in the later iteration... But before the Space Giants. <sighs> no, Possibly. Giant Robots. The giant ro Somewhere in that... One of the ways I had intended... Space Giant Robots. I had intended to giants. introduce Connor's family, who's the other narrator, the younger of the two, was to have him reminiscing on a time they'd found something landing in their backyard. And I was describing it as this strange, large, insectile or cicada-like thing with a certain, well, I'd say cicada-like features, but definitely of a divine or angelic-like presence to them as a thing that fell from the sky. And dying, of course, made out of an odd metal as they father, not having a clear idea, but being more well-educated in the rest of his family, suggesting that they bury it kindly and say a few words and never quite explaining to his sons what they found that night. But yeah, it would have been a way to describe a satellite as something, that, a way of describing a satellite to people who had never witnessed such a thing but only read about stars or things like them that men 
in the past ages have put in the sky for whatever purpose. Or it could be one of the beetles that pushed around the plants. Egyptian mythology. Oh, yes. Dung beetles, weren't they? I believe they were. Right. And I believe it was the sun and the moon, not the planets, but... Mm. You know, it was a mix. I got confused because I think that it was Pratchett who merged that with the, the whole um, Aristotelian glass spheres. Oh, right. No turtles, though. No turtles. He missed out. I mean, we're talking to Aristotle missed out. Yes. Because he never dropped turtles out of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You know, the world would be quite different, and good lord, that is a large mall. By your stairwell. I, I, it's not the uh, the large ones that bother me. It's the small ones. True. And it's also not an Atlas moth. Yeah. I saw one of those down in Aruba. That was magnificent. And also, I kind of want to hit it with a newspaper. It's <laughs> just that human urge. It's when the spiders get that size. Oh. No, you don't. Or mosquitoes. There's a big old mess everywhere. The mosquitoes and the spiders, when they reach that size, you feel sad about your life. More so if they bite you, of course. But Coconut crabs. That is allegedly what finished Amelia Earhart, isn't it? I don't know how you'd ever... <laughs> Unless there was a whole episode of Gilligan's Island <laughs> I don't remember. No, it was... I'm making a mental leap here. They found what they believe are remnants of her flight on an island where crabs were large enough to break coconuts. And thus, skulls and bones. Because they found a shattered skeleton that had not just been impacted, but tried apart. Yeah, but large enough to do that and fast enough to actually catch someone are two very different things. She may not have been alive, although, frankly... Quite possibly not. That would have been... It's probably preferable that she was not. Let me say that. So, playing off of the idea of a comet in the sky and the many... Or a large thing in the sky that burns, rips off part of a hemisphere, or most of it, and leaves behind a world that is not able to sustain what had been. You probably have the survivors a large exit is to the other side. And that usually does not lead well to things, either by the people present there or... So, assuming they left the Western Hemisphere, they'd be arriving in places like in England or in Ireland first, depending on what exactly was burned away. And Japan, the edges of Australia. New Zealand. New Zealand, certainly. But none of those are large enough to really sustain much if enough people survived. Although I don't think it might have been I don't know. a big issue. I'd have to check out the size of New Zealand. I know the last time I checked out the size of Japan, superimposed in the United States, Japan's about the size of the eastern seaboard. Oh, yeah. New Zealand, it depends on who you ask. For instance, if you go to the Northern Island, there is a t-shirt that says North Island, South Island, and depicts a tiny little Australia with the caption, Other Island. So, according to them, massive. But let me ask you, between the time... A comet or thing like it, a giant rock, sears off part of the world or the hemisphere. And when people arrive, how long do you think before life starts to gain some semblance of order and civilization again? Okay, so you're asking, so step one, comet lands. Step two, people arrive in the uh, in, in Europe, Asia, and Africa, mm -hmm. Australia. When 70% of them die. <laughs> Step step three is so so. How long from the point they arrive in those places before things don't get back to this where they were, but they reach a stability? Sure. Um, after the food riots, after it, it yeah, it's all going to come down to food supplies and communication and water. How it, it, those 
Yeah, exactly. If you don't have enough food, you're going to have anarchy if you don't have enough supplies. I'm curious. Also, but but communication would speed up the process of integration. How far would the EMP be? It really depends a great deal. It's true. Exactly. That's actually much more uh, what what suits the story than anything else. I mean, chances are, taking this into technological terms, um, if you had something up there that was caught in orbit until everything broke, broke loose and, and it came and it fell down. Chances are that process of holding it up there it like and, and, and trying desperately to stop is going to destroy the satellite network. So you're going to actually have a massive... That's when you're going to lose the... Communications. The, the worldwide communications. Um, you are probably also going to mess up the, the upper atmosphere, so you're going to lose the ability to do anything other than line-of-sight communication. I mean, yeah... As far I mean, as I think about it, if it was that close to shave, that there was still massive earthquakes. So, yeah, every, I mean, like, there's a they, the reason that we can do a lot of non line of sight um, radio mm-hmm. communication without uh, using satellites is because we're bouncing it off. It off. Yeah, we're bouncing mm-hmm. it off a charged layer of the atmosphere. Uh, if the sun's output drops in certain ways, we lose that. If you mess it up, depending on how this worked, it could also mess it up. So likelihood is after a couple of centuries, at least we'd be back down to pastoral level at best. Is that that's where you're aiming for? I, I think we would probably, once the communication systems go down, the power the means of restoring them go out, the power goes out. The interesting thing is, I think there, there has to be a reason why it continues falling. Because... If you go back to the, the Roman Empire, I've been reading it, uh, up on the, this um, over the past couple of months. We didn't really lose anything. Everyone talks about it, all the lost oh, the technology. Dark Ages is a it's a terrible not, time, yeah. and and yeah, but it's not it, the, the information was cut off from people who could use it in their day to day lives. It's not as apocalyptic as we like to have been. Yeah, a lot of stuff was still going on, and there's very little that was actually lost, including the one everyone points to, concrete, because the. That was just a matter of you needed certain things that were in Italy to make it. And oh, sure. If you didn't have those, you couldn't make it. Well, I know they did lose a lot of tooling. I know there's a whole story about Da Vinci trying to recreate, essentially, what do you call that? The, like the wheel used to measure, like the meter wheel? Mm-hmm. Like they had that, but he was using But they knew, they knew how to do it. They just didn't, or they, they had the writings of, of what, what to do. They just didn't have the in-head knowledge to the battery do it right. that they rediscovered a few years ago mm-hmm. when that technology is old but the execution has mostly been a matter of improvement and rediscovery right so you're basically you need a situation whereby one of two things is going on either there's nothing that demands that that technology come back so you don't have people scrambling around to get it sure or there's a reason that it stopped working and couldn't be brought back oh. or there's something that destroyed it all the the all of the the stored knowledge of how to do it um what we thought happened at the end of the roman empire and it turns out didn't yeah well, i mean he did say there was like the remnants of the empire in mm-hmm. decline forever there i could see yeah it lasting for much longer but just the know-how to keep it going so becomes less and less feasible right the, with that with the the ball and imperium which is probably got a fancier title with the word shambala in it the imperial bottle bottle shambala i've never actually fleshed that out because usually it's called bala or the imperium if you're referring to the glorious empire of old the means by which they used and acquired power is no longer acceptable is mostly gone and they have 
as the survivors opted to never engage in it again because it led to the war that ended the empire. And therefore, of the folks remaining, sure, let the remnants of the city fall apart because at least we're still alive and have our farms. But that's further along from, let's say, the comet and all that era. The As to what would keep things from coming Are back... Are in these? <laughs> well, we've presumably got a world in which something, a comet-like or alien barrage, strips off a good portion of the hemisphere, makes the West uninhabitable, people migrate over. But again, even then, despite the diseases and famines and riots and everything else, humanity should recover to some extent and be able to build from what was left. Mm -hmm. As I said before, there are some who are full of fire and some who dream too much. Did they exist before the comet? I was actually going to ask you, are you talking about a metaphysical change or not? Did the rules get rewritten or not? Well, there's... Because then you answered the question of why technology didn't come back. I had in earlier iterations, and this is for those of you listening, prior to the Laser Kings, prior to the giant robots, prior to the diners, prior to a lot of things, come up with two things called the Sunder and the Idol, one being a rusting and the other being a death of machines. They existed, but they idled. Their minds were elsewhere. And both of those were too late the fault of two metaphysical causes, one full of fire and one who dreams too much. I believe in the earliest iterations of that, it was some changing to bacterium. He was pissed off at something he had been shot by, spat on the remnants of a rifle or whatnot, and through no intentional means of his own, that bacteria evolved to do exactly what he wanted, which was get rid of things that annoyed him, being metal at least of the higher orders, so platinum, titanium. You still have bronze and a couple other things. but And I still kept a remnant of that. I think when I've depicted people in, for instance, during the war, there's a shortage of metals. They're cutting off the buttons and giving you wooden ones instead, smelting anything down to make a usable weapon. And even then, things break down. But there are analogs to a car. There's an ornithopter. There's something called a forerunner, which is, well, a forerunner of a vehicle and also runs on four wheels. So, hey... So the other possibility is that what happened is was we're going you're going the Clark route and technology had grown so advanced that it sort of started looking magical and then and then it fell and it was lost somehow because no one understood it but those people who survived mm -hmm. or who tapped into it in ways they didn't fully understand become um those that are too full of fire, too full of dreams, etc. Um, but, the, but the rest don't know how to tap into it, possibly because some systems are still running and they're not letting anybody actually learn anything. It'd be very hard to learn robotics when, uh, like, if uh, Skynet was basically taking over any attempt to, to make a robot. I think in those earlier iterations, there was, there was probably some type of nano influence. I've dropped that probably since because... Well, nano's kind of the solution to everything. That was my problem. I, it was, it was why not just magic at that point, because it's just another word for it, as far as we're concerned in terms of what makes things happen in a story and allows the writer to go, nanos! Uh, that short-lived revolution, season and a half show, where the idea was all the electricity and power went out, humanity has to survive. I watched it for a while because I was curious how the premise would go, and eventually it was sentient nanos that did exactly what their creator wanted to do, which was make life the way he wanted it, and that turned out to be hell for everyone. And yeah, the problem is that, that unless you're very, you've got a very good idea of what the nanos are specifically doing, you tend to make them magical. 
And the end result of that is things like what happened in Prometheus, where you've got this black goo that does something different to everything it touches, and there's no good reason why. Even then, if you're giving laws to nanites, you're still creating a magic system. Yeah, but that's... I mean, in most fantasy books of any kind that where strange things are going on, even if you're going with the, the conceit that it's highly advanced technology, sure. you're creating a magic system. By and large, yes. But when I hit that point of nanos and then went, that doesn't feel right. I let that yeah. slide because it was this, this is not going to take the story anywhere I feel like it's supposed to go. So going back to one of the myths I mentioned earlier, one attribution is that of the two brothers, one eventually managed to take what was left of the sun, get it back into the sky, and hold on to it there. And all those who are full of fire are either descended or influenced or have been favored by him. Those who dream too much are more or less trapped or connected to the dream of the one still stuck on the earth. But again, those are analogs potentially of many things, mm -hmm. whether those are machine sentient devices or who knows what. They're the Matrix has you. Comet Space Magic. There you go. You got the contrast on you. The one who's in the Earth. They put up a solar shield to, uh, or a, a shield to try to block the meteor. It ended up blotting out the sun. They, they didn't restore the sun to the sky. They tore a hole in the shield. Interesting. So, I don't know. Do, do you feel like we would need to answer the question of whether the... Whether the moment or the cause, the incident that causes people to migrate out from the atmosphere results in those who are full of fire and those who dream too much, or does it, could it be something that existed before? Which feels more... Well, I mean, I think largely, it, 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 it sounds like in the book there's not going to be a clear-cut answer. So sure. I guess the question is, carry it out in permutation, see a couple of elements of each that, that, that could happen... And then maybe one of those will be an inspiration. And not necessarily cementing in place what was the origin for that inspiration. Right. Um, I mean, in the prologue, for instance, Adam is describing early on illustrations of what his parents had painted into their kitchen and then through the walls into the sanctuary. And it is that origin myth of the two brothers, but that's his father's of that religious order. And his mother is one of those who dreams too much. So there is very much a steep life and or him steeped in that particular way of seeing the world. Connor comes from a part of the world where they are very deeply rooted in a mythology of those who came over from somewhere else. And those who came over first are of greater import. Well, let's go with the idea that one of those groups, the, uh, you know, um, originated before the event and one of them arose in the aftermath. Okay. Now it sounds like the if the those who who are full of fire probably came from the event, or at least you know, is it were tied into it. Tied into it. Okay. So those who dream too much would have been the ones that came from earlier. Interesting. Pablo, your thoughts. I was just gonna say genetic engineering gone awry. I mean if they're able to Create something that holds a comet in... Essentially in the sky. Sure. Why not? I mean... Why not do everything else you could? Something yeah. made from hair and nails. Keratin. It is incredibly flexible. It scales. It creates cysts in animals. 
there's a lot of things that particular substance can become. So yeah, playing off that concept of keratin is a fundamental. Feathers, that's the other one. Because the genes that will express a feather can also be activated to create a scale-like substance as well, or create a scale-like form. It's an oversimplification. by the scale, that's lifted up and freed out. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, it's an oversimplification, but in general, feathers and hair are modified scales. It's very much an oversimplification, the way so they mean feathers. But we're all lizard people. When you get down to some it. Some have more scales than others. Forked tongues are just another sound. In, in your next iteration, you're going to be working Lemuria into your... Uh... <laughs> no. I think Atlantis existed in the early ones, too, because why not? You know, when you're a starting writer, you pick up everything. And why not? And then you dump the stuff that doesn't... Work. I, I will. I'll post the earlier stories and bits and pieces because it's. I haven't looked at some of them in I think a decade, so it would be interesting to return to them and go, "Huh, where was I and what?" I, it's. It's not one to look at the evolution of the writing because the styles are quite different too. I think at that point I was still largely writing in third person, whereas these have evolved mostly into first with interspersed with everything else or interspersed with everything else. But okay, let's take the idea that those who dream too much existed first. And those who were full of fire occurred as a result of the incident. In the long, in the long term, that distance is probably not meaningful to people. No. And like I said, this is less about actually cementing anything and more, let's take some things that, that, of what it might mean. True. And then maybe those will be ideas, even okay. if you don't end up using what create, created those ideas in the first so place. Of those who dream too much, they have at times been venerated as the kind who are supposed to gather the names of the dead and take them to the one who dwells in the earth. Or, I'll give the names. The one in the sky, Halal, the one in the earth, Ella, which, if you put the two names together, is Halila this night. Or tonight, depending on how exactly you interpret your Hebrew. I wasn't planning that, but one day I put them down and went, oh, duh. And that is probably one of the best examples I could give you of how, how I write. I find things and put and eventually look at them and go, oh yeah. I wrote The Valley, the story all of this came out of. I sat down one day and said, this is entirely Psalm 23. Down to the imagery and the sequence in which it proceeded. Not planned. So this is partly why I struggle sometimes with trying to plan because... Right. It wasn't planned, I swear. <laughs> Also, the defense I gave when after he told us, I'm tired of stories with sex, drugs, and murder, and death. I wish you all to write your next two without any of those I murdered a clown. To be fair, he choked to death on a balloon animal that he was making for a group of children while laughing. Not planned. I was trying to explain why another clown knew CPR and had gained first aid training. So as I was writing the moment that led to him wanting to do that, as he's reflecting upon the car accident he's walking through and going through the process... Jimbo suffocated on a balloon animal that eventually flopped out like a second tongue. <laughs> and I apologized that day when he said, Jared, you go. And I went, I, J Jason, I know you told us not to murder anything, but I unfortunately killed a clown. <laughs> and my entire class looked at me and went, dude, what? <laughs> Why? Because it was there. People got stuffed into their own coffins in the earlier stories. Not mine, but ones he had... The reason he had come up with this this uh, order insistence is because it happened. And once it did, it was there, and it was true. 
my moon. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> you have the image stuck in your head, don't you? Well, I was going to share something from another podcast, but it's not one of ours, so it's like, you know, it's oh God, another no. time. Don't poke anyone else's, that's uh, bad. Yeah. It's, no, it's no. Spread the love, maybe they'll spread it back. You, you know, there are some podcast hosts that adamantly refuse to plug anything but their own work. It's kind of fascinating <laughs> to listen to. I don't care. This is right now. I'm sort of their, their Patreon base. I'm refraining more because it would take too much explaining to give oh, that's reasons. So. You can put that in a comment then. Yeah. So, in a way, there would probably be more utility, I suppose, in a, in a society trying to recover to those who can affect things with the way they perceive or the way they remember, even if it's not perhaps a conscious effort. They could be influenced, they could be guided to make things better or worse. Plugged or, into the machine. Would there be machines? Not really one. And not the kind we want. There was an idea I, to- oh. I toyed around with a long time ago um, and never ended up being able to make it work in a way that I found satisfying. Sure. But it was the idea of instead of, uh, uh, instead of history being a, a path of slow, gradual increase in technology, each technological revolution, the big ones, the kinds we don't actually see much in our own history, would create something entirely new and suffuse the world with it like this material which whatever came next would come along and use and the idea that was always in my head um and you'll see sort of why i didn't end up finding it that satisfying but was the idea that 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 flint is there that for whatever reason the previous technology or whatever had um, worked around a certain kind of material, and that material ended up being flint. Mm-hmm. So the next stage that came along was primitive men picking it up and making crude tools out of it, but that was never why it was created in the first place. It was created for a more, um, I don't know, magical or mythical style of technology that, I don't know, fell. Um, the idea is is we're we're busy thinking in machines, but... If it's, it's not really about technology, they created materials that did certain things in the right situation. And that's why you can have various things that all look like boats and they'll all be called boats, but they aren't Going the same Going back thing. to the idea of the caravan. Mm-hmm. When I, so one thing I'll say before I move on to what I'm about to, because I'll lose it. Stephen Jay Gould's punctuated evolution. The idea that until a certain stressor or need is in place or forces things don't change too much, but when they do, there's a burst, or as people mm-hmm. often teased him, a bush as opposed to the evolutionary tree. But that's what came to mind when you were describing that system. To the point of a substance or a material that could evolve and change, two things are, well, fire and water, not in terms of the Greek elements, but in terms of the actual substances. Water as a means of conduit, but also as a fuel replenishing source. The yes, you could have this situation whereby there was this carefully balanced structure that that, that used these various elements and with water like like this, and there was this fluid that was there was a conduit we call it water, and there were and there were the, the, there were these you know silicon structures we called them stone, and the whole thing collapsed in on itself and formed a planet, and and the, and water the water went spraying out everywhere, and so basically Earth is a is a giant car wreck. I, at one point, had... <laughs> you're not too far off from an iteration I had of the world at one point, which was that it's not an Earth, but rather many places in space. And therefore, the travel across sea is actual sea travel. But 
it's been so long, who knows anymore. It's just the words that everyone uses. So it's what makes sense. I don't really know if that holds true anymore. But the, the idea of substances that are more than what they seem at first, there are remnants of old conduits, which are waterways like the Roman aqueducts, but the substance they moved was water perhaps enriched or now I remember the technology at one point I was playing around with. We have finally developed the technology now where you can make artificial trees that actually do photosynthesis and can convert sunlight into renewable energy. It's not essentially a form of, you know, carbohydrate or sugar. Or yeah, something. it's not in any way or means functionally useful yet, but it exists. And in terms of the technology that would perhaps be found or emerge from the remnants of all this stuff that had migrated over, why not forests that garner sunlight? The sun is central to existence, has been there since they held it in place and restored everything from the night that had been. Why not things that harness that light and can move it through something fluid and simple like water that is always going to move, is easily encouraged, and can be engaged with simply? And... Given what you said earlier, so you get the those who dream too much, and then you've got this keratin thing, and the thing that screams to me merging those two ideas together is this idea of that the per those who dream too much, the body is not the person anymore. The dream is the person. And so the body is the kind of thing that can be, in certain cases, shed or manipulated, and that is actually the source of those keratin creatures. It's a new... Do, do you know the... I, I Animal motifs crept in as I was writing, not planned... But very late in the edition, I think, or the version I wrote from 2006 or 7 to 10, cicadas, for those who dream too much. That was very late on. At one point, there's a character talking to a woman who's one of those few remaining who dreams too much. And very casually, he's observing a cicada emerge. And I looked at that and I went, I can't believe it fucking took me the entire book to just touch upon that idea of vestment fully because the previous ideas of them taking on the memories and embodying them or holding on to them or retaining them and that altering their physical substance as they tried to keep their own sense of self but increasingly relying on that memory of who they were that dream of it to stay sane or cogent the cicada came to mind as that constant shedding and reemergence because you could not survive it long or you could not survive that indefinitely. So that cycle of immersion of burying yourself in the earth where the one who retains things resides, where knowledge still goes, I guess, or is accessed from. There have been versions of the myth where the first men to find him were the ones who learned things. I like the idea that if you're constantly having to shed the um, the the sheddings are stored some in some way, or the information, uh, and maybe that's a me maybe that's more of a conceptual or metaphysical thing. Sure. So it's not like that these people, you know, not a direct shedding, but when they shed to grow, that is a part of the the process of 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 recording this information. There, or these dreams. There was a metaphysic for another series that I've not touched upon and probably will write maybe later, but it was in a world where you had four components that comprised everything, light, dark, memory, and heart. And going purely off of the narrative, it's supposed to be more of a children's story, but 
if the phys if the dark is what constrains and, and holds things, if the light's gone, life is what's left with that substance. And so they emerged out of this this entire society where everyone would eventually embalm the remnants of those who passed and use that to nourish what came next. But it was in some ways cannibalistic as a result because you were always consuming what was left of those before you to fuel the next generation. I can't write children's stories without working in cannibalism <laughs> and body horror. I'm sorry. I tried. You're on your path to greatness. <laughs> Roald Dahl did it. Well, maybe not the cannibalism, but... But no, I, I like the... music. Music. What was that? It's your stick. Like, how do you know it was a Jared Storch story? Because nothing happy stays that way. <laughs> I mean, you guys can speak to that. <laughs> the, to answer your question of when the war was, the Empire, the Balin Imperium, which is probably the last great large thing that spanned most of what you would call Eurasia, Eventually, the means that led to them wanting to produce an arc because they realized their MO, their methods were unsustainable and the Earth was probably not much longer. Therefore, let's leave it because we have a way to, whether that was one they found or one they made. Other people were rather displeased that they weren't going to be a part of that. So everyone was trying to fight their way onto the arc? Well, the means of fueling it would be devastating to those who were left behind. If it managed to work, it would be... Useful to those who survived, but worse for those who didn't get on there. And there are probably a mix of religious, moral, and ethical quandaries as to whether this thing should be used or done at all that led to the war, combined with the uh, enforced fiefdom of what was left of the known world and those who wished to not be part of the Imperium, finally finding the rationale to break it. Of course, whether they wanted the war to end the way they did or not, that's a different story. But yeah, that's the last big war that made things the way they are was, I'd say for the sake of narrative, at least a thousand years ago. Enough time that it's become mostly myth. The weapons they used are large and decaying, rusted things sitting in farmlands. Depending on what material that is, it doesn't have to be a thousand. That could, have, that could be... Um... Two, three hundred. True. It depends on the material, uh, and I only bring that up because uh, I've I, I know a couple people. Oh, who it's carried all the way down. We're back to turtles. Yeah, well, no, they complain. <laughs> they complain vociferously about the fact that fantasy worlds almost always have this these ridiculously long periods of time. One hundred fifty thousand years ago in twelve yeah, days. Well, yeah, exactly. It's stuff like that. It's like, oh yeah, the last great empire was a thousand years ago. I, I'm trying to think of the last time in history there wasn't someone claiming to be an empire. It's even, um, it could just be uncountable. It could be a hundred years ago. It could be a hundred generations ago. That might only be two hundred yeah. years. Yeah, there's a... Depending on how... It depends on how it was, the information was lost. Yeah. So let's lay out this. There is what's called Termosol, which is where, I suppose, largely Germany, France, parts of the area surrounding. There's... The Fyodorov, which is a significant part of the north, and a larger kingdom toward what had been Siberia, or a bountiful place at one point, and a few others. Oddly, I forget why exactly Africa was out of the picture. That's changed reasons for me, and we can probably answer that this time or not, leave it for another one even. Children of the Big Rock. Quite possibly that got scorched too. 
Well, what it could be is Ethiopians. You know, you no, I'm not going the scorched people route. <laughs> That's been done. Has the been cin- done. The cinnabar. Ugh. I mean, it's also the, the legend for how uh, crows got their feathers and all that. But uh, I know I was going to say you got whatever came down. You know, and they destroyed the western continents. You know, could have spread to the the oceans. Now, if you just need a reason why it didn't spread through the Pacific and Indian Oceans, but it's easy enough to have it take out much of what was along the equator, that, you know, that direction, mm-hmm. I mean, did to, um, towards I think Europe the and Africa. I think the south anything is now, and I'm not, this sounds like, I will say it, and it sounds like I'm giving it that name for one reason, it's actually quite different, is the city of Rakia, which you think, oh, Iraq, no. Rakia is the Hebrew phrase for firmament, and is largely that because it has out of something like the water, a rather contained environment. It's one of the few places like it remaining and partly built on from the Imperium's time remnants. And you did say they were taking the buttons, right? Hmm? So this was... By the time of the war that's actually the now in the story, yes, they're at the point where... Oh, there's another war going on right the, now. The other thing you could do, by the way, if you just want People to leave, fight a lot. If you just want to leave Africa out of it, <laughs> expand the Sahara. Yeah, maybe maybe Which, towards the towards the I mean, South Africa side of things, there's still stuff going on. But if most of the continent is a desert, here you go. You got the meteor on one side, might have melted all the ice caps and everything, right? It's pulling all the water. Maybe now you can walk across to all the continents like mm. you could before. True, but there's less water. Land bridges. And you even and you can even really confuse things by having land bridges where no such land bridges should exist, no matter how much water has gone away. This is probably why I haven't made a map yet, because even though I could sit down with a map of the globe and go, "This is Turnusol, this is Fyodorov, this is Rakia, this is uh, Yom," it wouldn't fit quite right because it's not simply making analogs and going, "This city is now this place," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There, Pablo just ran off for a second, but the war now is largely a question of whether things lost should remain lost or should they be restored, and if so, how and why. Whereas perhaps the war that ended the Imperium is more a question of should these things be forgotten, or are we willing to leave them behind? Here's the question, how do you forget them? If if those memories and all that are being recorded, don't you have to kill the recorders? Yes. The ones most likely to do that, of course, would have been the ones who were the best with the closest knowledge of them. The orders and societies regulated to make sure that they behaved themselves, knew what they were capable of. And I just love the idea that we're, we're assuming that the, those who are full of fire and those who dream too much are the ones that are, that, that are you know, the bizarre variants of normal humans. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe, there are, maybe, maybe the, the world has just been filled with a bunch of cold, dreamless bastards. It would certainly explain the... <laughs> Before all people used to be like this. <laughs> well, exactly. That could be and, a thing. And, and then they became mongrel. Well, we mm-hmm. could take it that way. Is this a diminishment of man? And are what's left? Is, this... that, is that why there are cold bastards who don't dream? Because someone wanted the information purged and, and went on a... I mean, may, maybe all of those required, like, let's say we go like the genetic engineer route, sure. right? But it required fine-tuning to make sure things didn't decay or go out of whack. Okay. So now, generation after generation, things are veering off. Because there's no means of regulating and maintaining yeah. it. Well, if you did genetically engineer something to go out of whack, one of the ways of doing it, if you wanted to be really extravagant, would be to have it burn itself out. 
So those who are full of fire, that they could be people that were supposed to be destroyed, but now the process of destroying it has gone wrong too. So they are just full of fire instead of actually burnt to crisp. The Kodum, which is the religious organization that I, well, religious is perhaps the wrong word for it because there as much doctors and tinkers as there are many other things, but they were meant to guide both of those. And they're conflicted because their roles have changed, their purposes have changed, and they were instrumental in what led to an end of the war. I think you were out when we, I had answered your questions about what had caused the War of Time, which is partly what led to this, but the war that ended the Imperium was a question of should certain things be forgotten or ended or left behind. The war now is largely between those who go, we need this to survive, and those who are closer to the end of the Imperium and what's left of it, who perhaps have spent more of their lives hearing the stories of what had been and what they'd done, and feel that it's best to let that just die. And I, I didn't I didn't want, again, like with Nanites, the, oh, it's the religious war versus the societally advanced one, because that's one trite and two rarely trite. Yeah, I find it more fun always when people looking back on history assume mm -hmm. it was a religious war, but that there was actually more going on. Well, that they both share fundamental mythologies. It's how they believe, or what, what they believe is essential or important out of that myth. So the, if we're going off of the two brothers, which is more of the central continental belief, it's very easy to take the hubris of the older one trying to reach up and catch us left of the sun instead of letting go of that and destroying what was supposed to have been the way the world would come back or be again, as emblematic of the empire you had once that once ruled or lived in your, you know, it's the Icarus star. You, mm. you did the thing you should not have, and we all suffer accordingly. I mean, maybe their ships did work, and they just tell everyone that it that was it didn't. easier. Maybe it worked until it didn't, and then it blew up, and everyone thought that, that was the return of the sun to the sky. That would be a big rock, effectively, mm -hmm. and it would be disastrous. Do you guys think they built it, or do you think they found it? I think that's the reason things are so dead now. One of the reasons. Okay. Too many resources, and now everything is just too deep. You can't get to it. You've lost the means. The, the means to access sure. that which was accessed before. Okay. We forgot the passcode. It's not silly. Is it? Is it? Is it password, dude? Who uses that? <laughs> it's one, two, three, four, five. Nice, nice try. Nice <laughs> proxy. We don't know Latin numbers anymore. <laughs> or, or worse yet, they only know certain ones, and they've changed the others. Oh. So it's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, C five. Oh, that'd be so bad. <laughs> oh god, that'd be a real seventies or sixties sci-fi twist. What comes after four? Uh, Q? <laughs> Cut the black. No. And it's this, it, would be the pass, it would be the passcode to the storehouse where all the eternally lasting food is. As the oh, ravenous okay. pig rats. Okay. One bite will, will sustain you for a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Because when it activates with the water inside your flesh, it, event, it releases through nanites, because why not? Although it wouldn't have been nanites in the 60s or 70s, would it? what would they have used? Well, it's not that nanites were unknown, it's just that they weren't generally used. They weren't the, well, uh, they weren't the full botanum at the time. Yeah, it would be magical chemicals, it would be... Magic uh, preservatives. Pres yeah. Nuclear would, energy. Nuclear energy is oh, another God. big one. It makes you nuclear power. Each one contained the power of a reactor. 
Such a bad idea. <laughs> I feel the sun inside me. And there we go. The fire people. They do say sunlight is the best disinfectant. I, uh, for the In Character podcast, I'm talking with Nick Laurie, the neuroscientist. He sent me this email about a book called Lockstep, where the premise is that people cry with sleep in order to expand their lifetime and sink an entire multi-planet empire across hundreds of thousands, or I think 17,000 years, of which they're only awake for 40. But uh, the, the writer wanted to have a non-FTL sci-fi story, and therefore had to find a way that would allow for people to travel long distances and still engage in synchronous lives. That's pretty much the only way you got. It's like, there are only two things you can do. You can do cryosleep of some kind, you know, suspended animation, or you can do generation shifts. If you're not doing FTL. The the reason I bring it up in this case, though, is that those who do not wish to engage in the cryosleep had a third, but not perhaps as good option. Lich them? No. Thermonuclear-powered autocats. What? Through the magic of quantum. I just heard thermonuclear <laughs> yeah. powered otter cats. And that's I amazing. My glasses too. <laughs> Let me do mine. Trifecta accomplished. Yeah. Oh. I was thinking, yeah. So there is the third option, which is immortality. <laughs> thermonuclear powered otter cats. I, who I say, that one hadn't occurred to me, and I don't know why. It's so blindingly obvious. Think of them as fuzzy or cuter water bears. Oh. It's the tardy grade of the future. Oh my god. That would... Did you get your brain implanted into one or well, your pet? Apparently they were naturally occurring specimens that were modified so that they could interact with and eventually go into a tardigrade-like hibernation, but through the magic of quantum, rekindle the energy in themselves and heat you up again, even in deep space. I mean, sure, you can do this in a story, but when that moment occurred where they went down to... The, uh, well, effectively the most Eisley for... You'll never time. see a more wretched hive of thermonuclear power on her cats. <laughs> it seems like, it feels like something Lucas would go, I, I, no, I, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. Wait, that was actually... Irv Kirshner used to teach at USC. He explained one day how The Empire Strikes Back got made. He said, we had one very important word for Lucas and we use it a lot what was that Irv no <laughs> just no <laughs> not not to trash Lucas or anything but it's just an interesting insight into some something that some people really need to be told that then some people need to be told that because it pushes them onwards to prove you wrong I'm thinking Werner Herzog yes certainly I mean people tell him no all the time and he doesn't listen Turn Australia into a post-apocalyptic wasteland where people have flame guitars? That's impossible. No one could do that. Film it all in one sequence. Show up the Russian Ark and make a better, more interesting movie. To be fair, the premise of the Russian Ark was interesting. It's all the history about Russia in one shot. I feel so sorry for the crew. They must have had either thermonuclear powered otter cats to keep them warm at night uh, or... it's amazing how many of the uh, how many things that uh, <laughs> you know what solves while we're at it let's see the things that thermonuclear powered otter cats can solve Pablo what's your take on thermonuclear powered otter cats fuzzier tardigrades <laughs> <laughs> exactly they can solve that 
You'll sleep whenever you want to and wake up exactly as toasty as you want to be. Uh, this situation has only been made worse with the addition of yet more thermonuclear powered outer cats. <laughs> you know what I want to do? I want to do a new Star Trek where you hybridize those with triples. I thought that's what they were. No, they're, they're, there are bigger ones, which are apparently, you know, I have to look, cats. I, I have to look now to see if this book was published before or after The Legend of Korra. Because there's one large enough to be a polar bear monster dog thing. Because nothing does, does it get extra. Heavy? That is actually one of my favorite favorite moments in the original Avatar, um, when uh, oh yeah, the, you know the, the the king of the Earth Kingdoms is inviting everybody to see his bear. bear. What his mole bear? No, it just says bear. You know, <laughs> lizard bear? Just bear. What is that? That's serious. I mean, at that point, you had seal penguins with six flippers. Oh yeah. I think the only other creature in the entire show that, 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 that is ever shown as being like not a hybrid are like the dragons. Because they're central to the mythology. And also, hybridized dragons can get very silly. So, while we're here, let's talk flora and fauna. Oh. <laughs> I won't do that to you. Sheeps, an endless sea of sheeps. <laughs> All the way down. Until you reach the layer of turtles. That was... One of the strangest creepypastas. <laughs> What's this? I've ever read. I'm not even sure I can recommend it. Parts of it are good. Parts of it are just, what the hell is going on? So better than these. It's called Dog World. And it is, <laughs> it is, it is a post-apocalyptic world. Okay. And the apocalypse was somehow the entire surface of the planet got covered in a biomass of fused, happy dogs. You know, those parts that had faces were still like... <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's all dog flesh. And it's like... And it's, and it's people struggling to survive on the surface of this planet that is covered in dog flesh. Is the writer okay? Do they, do they no, I, I, yes, that is one of the many things they do. Also, dog milk. Um, is the planet now called dog flesh? I think the planet's called Dog World, and it, it, it and the story is sort of like a series of vignettes of uh, uh, um, and through uh, various generations as society is declining, and 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 there are a couple of cases where people think they might have found a solution to it, only for it not to work, and it's really weird, and in many cases, really, really disturbing. Um, more than you would think for a world. Are, are, this is the important question: Are there different flavors? Is it all one breed? No, yeah, it, it, it's it's all dog. There's no specific breed. It's just like it's all mutt. No, not it's not all mutt. There are purebreds too, but it's like it doesn't really matter. It's all you go, dog. You, you go find a lassie well, to make. They're sure. all fused together. Honestly, at that point, you've got to have clusters. I mean, you've got to have a, you've got to have a section of Chihuahua where people and this is you know, people are going to get particular about what kind of dog. I only stuff on Chihuahua dogs. I don't, only. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know how humans are. I, I think there might have been one section where they imply certain areas of the world are more one kind of dog than another. But I don't know for sure. That could I could just be thinking of Labrador, the place <laughs> in Canada. Are, are you sure you just stopped? Re- you didn't just stop reading at some point out of sheer. I, there were like I, I really enjoy creepy pastas, and there are parts of it I really enjoyed, and there are parts of it that are like. 
This is kind of base for the sake of being base. I would agree. Now, here's a question for you. What species would make it worse? Rabbit pants weasels. It's an old, it's a thing off of the very, the old, um, I guess, I, I guess we're talking about like 2004 World of Darkness forums because they just changed over to the new World of Darkness um, and people were trying to figure out how to use the mage rules. And it was a, and we did, we plugged the math for what it would take to turn bed, like the, the bacteria um, on a person's body into a swarm of rabid pants weasels. You know, it's disturbing because that actually existed prior to the YouTube challenge of people stuffing rodents down their pants. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I think we're... <laughs> I think we're... <laughs> Tomo, have we reached your quota of nightmare fuel <laughs> no. for the night? No. That's okay. close. <laughs> I just need more coffee. Oh my. Well, any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for the audience? Um, don't cover the world in dog flesh. <laughs> yeah. But do in rabbit it's, pants weasels. Stay away from those. Stay away from the thermonuclear powered otter somethings. Um, otter cats. Otter cats. I wish I were being... I wish I were embellishing. Yeah. <laughs> and remember kids, eat your carrots. Because you might forget about them. And keratin is good for you. Keratin is very good for you. But don't bite your nose. So that's it for the show. If you like what you hear and you want to see more or read some of what I write, you can find me at Patreon. That's www.patreon.com forward slash my name, Jared, J-A-R-O-D, and then my last, C-E-R-F is in Frank, of course. It's only a dollar a month to subscribe, and for that you'll find the writing, this podcast, and quite a few other things. Well, if you're there already, thank you. Your contributions, your thoughts, your ideas, what bring this all to life. Hope to see you all next time. And, yeah, so there were all sorts of weird ones. I... I I always, I gotta admit, I always enjoyed The Future is Wild. Yes. That one, I, some of the choices they made made no sense. But it, uh, I mean, that one has the single strangest conceit of anything. It, it's like, oh yeah, for some reason, starting at this point, mammals and birds are going to die off and snails are going to take, and, and squid are going to take over the earth. What? Yeah, important question. Do oh, we get flail snails? <laughs> yes. Women's. In spurs. Well, I, I get the sense for this one. Yeah. Which one? The one that's on the ground? Laying down, yeah. He's I got, sort of get it. He's got the long arm to feed himself. Great. <laughs> or, I guess, or I guess a little take. Hedonism blob. Why? Hedonism blob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's atrocious. Oh, uh, I think on that note, I think that we have to stop. I, I, I think I'm maybe, dying. maybe since this is making sense, long, maybe, maybe that's the real answer. As long as you sign up from now on as Hedonism blob. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.